highlight of the conversion experience of the Apostle Paul. I think if there's one thing as evangelicals in our generation that we need to recover, it is the absolute confidence that we ought to have in the power of God to transform a life. And when we come to the character of Saul of Tarsus, we encounter one who is arguably the most unlikely convert to Christianity ever. Saul of Tarsus was the implacable enemy of the infant church. He hated the followers of Jesus and he hated them with a vengeance. He wanted to wipe them from the face of the earth. And I want you to imagine, just for a moment, imagine that you're there in Jerusalem, and Saul has already been to the high priest, and he's got his letters from the high priest, giving him authority to carry out this task and this role. And I want you to imagine you confronting Saul as he leaves Jerusalem. And you say to him, Saul, can I have a word with you? Yes, he says. And you say to him, Saul, let me explain to you what is going to happen to you. You're on your way to to wipe out the followers of Jesus. But let me tell you, Saul, what is going to happen to you. You're going to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And your life is going to be dramatically changed. I wonder what Saul would have said. Probably something like, you're mad. You're mad even to contemplate such a thing. And yet it happened. It happened on the road to Damascus. And it reminds us as believers, those of us who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, it reminds us that God is in the business of transformation. God is in the business of transformation. Saul of Tarsus was the implacable enemy of the church. You see this on football pitches all over Scotland every weekend. You sometimes see it on sports scene or Scotsport or whatever you're watching. Someone tackles someone else size them down. And you know from the reaction of the player who has been sized down that it's not going to be very long before retribution takes place. And it normally results in a yellow or sometimes even a red card. Well, the only way I can describe Saul's reaction to the message of the gospel of Jesus is this. It's almost as if a big center half has sized into the heart of this man. And there is a tremendous eruption in his heart. There is a reaction against the message of the gospel. And there is in the heart of this man what can only be described as a burning hatred for the followers of Jesus. And Saul of Tarsus is on his way to wipe them out. That is his sole aim and purpose. Saul was a man in a mission. Of that we may be absolutely sure. He has to go to get letters of authority from the high priest. He has a plan. 
And he is absolutely committed to seeing that plan through. He is indeed a man in a mission. But no matter how zealous Saul of Tarsus is, no matter how committed to this task he is found to be, yet the truth of the matter is, his zeal is misdirected. Saul thought that he was so right, when in reality he was so wrong. That's an important reminder to us because it reminds us that it is possible to be passionately and sincerely wrong. Later on, by the grace of God, Saul of Tarsus would be able to sit down and reflect upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and he would come to a very different conclusion about Jesus and his people. I find in my own life, I don't know about you, but I find that it's good to examine my own responses to things that come my way. And it seems to me that the, the noise of Saul's anger drowned out the truth of Jesus. If you've ever spoken to someone about Jesus and you've had a hard reaction from them, you'll know exactly what I mean. You simply present the gospel to them and you get a kind of blaring headline tabloid response. One wonders what it was that really wound Saul up. His reaction seems to be way out of proportion. And something in that reaction, you know, just causes me to ask the question, why? If there was one thing that it could be said of Saul of Tarsus, it was this. He was a man who knew his Bible. He had had the very best of Jewish educations. He had sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He knew his Bible. It suggests to me, could be wrong, but it suggests to me that there was a fear in his own heart. Was the message of Jesus something that, although he tried to deny it, actually resonated in his heart? Was the message of the Galilean a threat to the life of Saul of Tarsus? Did he at some subconscious level react against what he instinctively felt to be true? I don't know. But this I do know, his reaction was extreme. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Perhaps Saul was completely sure of his position, but whatever the case, the truth of the matter is, he finds himself not only fighting against the followers of the way, but he finds himself in direct opposition to the God of Israel. Let me ask you this evening, what do your reactions tell you Is the noise of your own opinions drowning out the truth? The truth concerning the most influential and significant person in the history of the world. Saul of Tarsus was the implacable enemy of the church because he had not grasped the person of Jesus. The truth about the Lord Jesus Christ had not impacted upon his soul. 
But for Saul of Tarsus, that was about to change. And even from what I've told you tonight, I've sat with people over the last year, and I've seen God change them. Not by voices from heaven, or bright and shining lights, but by the power of the Spirit coming upon them and transforming them, making them new, changing their minds, their attitudes, their whole horizons, their vistas have been changed. And it could be you tonight. And you might say, well, I think not, Mr. Preacher. And if that's how you're thinking, let me remind you of what I said at the beginning, that there was no more unlikely candidate for conversion than that of Saul of Tarsus. And so, if you find yourself reacting against the gospel and yet drawn like a moth to the flame, I want to say to you, be afraid. <laughs> be very afraid. Because God is in the business of transformation. And he can turn your life around. What happened? What happened to change the mind of Saul of Tarsus? Well, what happened was quite clear and straightforward. He had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. We're told in verse 3, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I think this idea of encounter is something that we need to unpack more in our day and generation. It is absolutely crucial. We'll never win people in our postmodern world with simply a cerebral presentation. It has to touch all of our personalities. And here we find this. The truth is presented to Saul about Jesus. But it's done so in an encounter with the Lord. It is personality to personality. And at its very heart, Christianity, as many here will know very well, isn't just a set of teachings, but the core, the kernel of the Christian message is about a relationship with the living God. It's not about intelligence or lack of it. Saul was a clever man. He had received, as we said before, a, a superb education. Yet in all of his studies, the truth had not made the journey from his head to his heart. Why? Because he had not encountered, truly encountered, the God of Israel. Uh, perhaps I'm speaking to someone tonight and you say, well, kind of drawn to this Christian thing. But I, you see, I'm a reasonably intelligent person and if I encounter Jesus in this, this, this way, do I have to believe certain things like God created the heavens and the earth? Listen, my friend, if you encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, these things will fall into place and there are certainly answers that can be had. You see, when you encounter Christ, you encounter the awesome presence of God. And no one who encounters the awesome Christ is ever left the same. You may say, well, Christians get such a bad press today and I don't really want to be known as a kind of 
narrow-minded, evangelical type. Listen, my dear friend, if something is true, if something is right, it's worth standing for no matter what. And anyway, what they describe as a caricature anyway. You see, in Saul's case, it took a bright light, a voice from heaven, and being thrown flat in his face. Quite drastic. But you see, here's the thing. When you consider Saul of Tarsus, and when you consider his behavior, that's what it took to bring Saul of Tarsus to the place where he needed to be so that he might hear the word of Christ to him. Saul just wasn't of a mind to listen to a reasoned argument in Starbucks over a tall latte. He just wasn't in that frame of mind. It took something more than that. And I find it interesting, actually, that in verse 7, those who accompanied Saul were speechless. Their voices had to be stilled for Saul to really hear Christ. So again, let me ask you this question. Who are you listening to? What voices, what influences are blocking the life-changing message of Jesus Christ to you tonight. Because I want to say to you, my friend, if you don't know Jesus, He can turn your life around. He really can. Are you listening? I want to tell you tonight about my wife's best friend, Anne. My wife's best friend, Anne, became a Christian three months ago. She had been brought up in a nominal Christian home, taken along to church, but the usual scenario, when she got into her teenage years, it was goodbye, don't really want anything to do with that sort of thing anymore, and she went on her way. She's been prayed for for many years. But then, probably about six months ago, she began to have some blackouts. And the medics were really struggling to diagnose what the problem was. And then one day she had a really bad blackout and she actually lost a day. And she wakened up next morning in Rigmore Hospital in Inverness. And the first question that came into Anne's mind was this. What would have happened to me if I had not, if I had not wakened up? And for weeks after that, she couldn't sleep. She told her husband Graham about it, but Graham just didn't have the answers. Lovely guy, but he just didn't have the answers. He tried to comfort her and tell her that it would be okay, but it wasn't. The answers were just not satisfying, Anne. And she would wake up in a cold sweat during the night, this question burning into her mind. What would happen to me if I were to die? And over these weeks, this great fear of death consumed her. Eventually, with great courage, she phoned my wife, Janie, and said, look, could you and Jim come over one afternoon and speak with me? I got to, I've really got to speak with someone about this. And of course we agreed to do that. And we went across to see Anne in her home. And my brothers and sisters, I've never seen anyone so ready to commit their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we spoke with her for half an hour, and then we led her to the Lord. And I'll never forget what she did. 
she, she stood up and she said, he's taken it away. He's taken it away. The fear that consumed her was gone. God had so worked in her heart to assure her of her salvation that she said it's gone. He's taken it away. She was baptized last month and she's coming into membership next Sunday at our church in Culloden. What a thrilling thing. But you see, that's what it took for Anne. Without that experience, she would have been going on her way without thought for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to ask you tonight, what circumstances prevail in your life that may cause you to believe that God is speaking to you? Are you listening to what God is saying? And so too, in the life of Saul of Tarsus, it took an awesome event to stop this man in his tracks and bring him into a living relationship with the Lord he once loathed but came to love. Saul, the implacable enemy of Christ and of his church, encounters the risen Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and his life is dramatically changed. The enemy, the encounter, but also finally the effect. Such was the intensity of the encounter with Christ that uh, Dr. Luke tells us in his account that he was blinded and did not eat for three days. You know, it reminds me that some people say that they would believe in God if they could see him. Uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 16 reminds us that God dwells in unapproachable light. Remember the terror of the people at Sinai when they saw the glory of the Lord reflected upon the face of Moses. Daniel's encounters left him devastated. Isaiah and Jeremiah were stunned by their visions of God. You see, a true encounter with God inevitably has its effect. And this is what we find in Saul. What had previously seemed to Saul to be blasphemy is now a beautiful, life-changing truth. And in the most wonderful way, it all comes together for Saul. This is what we've seen in the life of Anne over these months. She had all the background knowledge about Jesus and about Christianity and about what it means to be a Christian, but suddenly it's all come into focus for her. And I believe that this is what happened in the life of Saul of Tarsus. His knowledge of Scripture, so detailed and intricate, ignites with the truth of Jesus. It all comes into focus. We're told in verse 19... Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Let me ask you, my friend, is the truth about Jesus living for you tonight. You see, to be right with God, Saul needed to be clear about Jesus. And what we invite you to tonight is not a kind of woolly experience of something supernatural. You see, a true experience of God is a Christ experience. It has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you're not a Christian tonight, I ask you, I plead with you to consider these things. Now we're going to come back to you in a few moments, but I want to say something to the believers who are here. Because I believe that this passage has much to teach us as Christians. The Lord said to Ananias, Ananias, I want you to go. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. This was stunning news for Ananias. As I was studying this, I was trying to think about what a, what a modern day comparison would be. And uh, we don't have overt persecution in our country yet. But I was trying to think of someone who would kind of fit the bill as a, as a stunning example of conversion. And the, the name that kept coming into my mind was the name of Richard Dawkins, if you know who Richard Dawkins is. The kind of bête noir of the theology faculties and universities all over the country. Just imagine someone coming and saying, Richard Dawkins has been converted, can you go and speak to him? Amazing message. And Ananias struggles with this. Lord, don't you know who this man is? But then we are told that Ananias went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he utters two of the most beautiful words in the whole of the New Testament. Brother Saul. Do you know, these words go right to the very purpose of God in reconciling not only person to person, but man with God. So too later on, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were scared of him. And it took Barnabas to go and to bring Saul of Tarsus to the apostles. What an immense service these men rendered to the church and to us for the cause of Christ. Rendered faithfully, courageously, and gently. Simply doing what God asked them to do. I wonder, Christian, who do you live near that needs to hear the gentle word of Jesus? I was uh, reading a book called Fearless Love recently uh, by a woman called Anne Anderson who was a Jehovah's Witness. If you haven't read that book, read it. Read it in preparation for the JWs uh, coming round. Two poor, poor JWs came to my door just the afternoon after the morning that I'd read this book. <laughs> and I kind of felt sorry for them because they stood kind of bemused and thought, who is this guy? But Anne Anderson says, what really, what really clicked it for her, what started her search for the truth about Jesus, was the gentle response of a pastor who came to the door and gently said to her, I'm sorry, my dear, you're wrong about Jesus. It doesn't have to be conversion by concussion. but simply bringing that gentle word in the power of the Spirit. And what an effect upon the church and Saul here in this passage. Again, if you had said to Saul of Tarsus as he left Jerusalem, Saul, this is what's going to happen to you. I wonder what he might have said. If you had said to Saul, Saul, not only are you going to meet the risen Lord Jesus, not only is your life going to be turned around, but Saul, you're going to become the missionary to the Gentiles. If you'd said that to Saul, you had better have had a good pair of Nikes on and ready to run. Saying that to this man. 
And yet God turned his life around. And brothers and sisters, in Jesus, there are people all around us who need the Lord. We live in a very nice place. Don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. But we are surrounded by a number of people that I would describe as party people. And they like to have parties, particularly on a Saturday night. Now, that's not a good time for Baptist ministers. Because we're in our beds thinking holy thoughts. And having to listen to this blaring music really, really is a test of our sanctification. But I have to say that recently we've been challenged about these people. Children growing up around our doors who know nothing, absolutely nothing about Jesus except that it's a word you use to swear with. Knowing nothing about the Lord. Are they just a nuisance to us? There's one dear little chap who's about six years of age now, and he stopped doing this now, but his, uh, his favorite ploy was to go into unlocked cars, and remember it is Inverness, to go into unlocked cars and let off the handbrake. Oh, the neighbors loved him. Just a nuisance. Can I really see his family saved and sitting in Culloden Baptist next year? Do I believe that God can do that to you? Because you've got them all around you as well. You see, later this same Saul of Tarsus would say, so from now on, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. You see, this man, Saul of Tarsus, he knew what he had been And now he knew what he had become in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he regarded no one from a worldly point of view. Could it be you tonight? Perhaps you began this service by saying, I don't think so, Mr. Preacher. But I say to you again, there was no more unlikely candidate than Saul of Tarsus. And towards the end of his ministry, he would be able to say, with great joy and and satisfaction in his soul, I know in whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. My dear friend, there is coming a day when you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ as your judge. And on that day, all your ideas will mean nothing. The only thing that will matter will be your relationship to him. So that you can look into your judge's face and see a savior there. Is it time for you, like Saul of Tarsus, to turn? To turn from your selfish living? to repent and to be baptized as a response to the change that's taken place. 
to tell God that you need His forgiveness. We were thinking this morning, there is forgiveness with you, O Lord, therefore you are feared. Is it time for you to trust in Jesus, the one who died upon the cross for you? To take him into your life. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Let's pray together.